Hello, heroes. Welcome to Modifier. I'm your host, Megan Dornbrock. Hey, heroes. This week, I talked to design team, married couple, and all-around sweetest humans, Tim and Kristen Devine. They've been designing together for a few years now and have a couple games and game hacks under their belts, and I've just been really excited to share their journey with you all. We talk about their lasers and feelings hack, their dice-up system, and the Kickstarter they're working on right now called the North Sea Epilogues that uses their own dice-up game system. Talking to them was a blast, so let's get to the show. Heroes, this week I am joined by Tim and Kristen Devine to talk about their journey with games and how making games and modding games has kind of changed them. So welcome, both of you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm glad you're both here. Glad we were able to talk to the the two of you together. Um, Do you want to introduce yourselves a little bit, some places people might know you from or projects you've worked on? Uh, sure. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll get started. We have a couple things out there. So we we started hacking and designing games a couple years back, and just with our friends and local groups. But with the wonderful uh, encouragement of uh, a certain podcast host that <laughs> is on this podcast right now, we <laughs> we actually put our one of our two of our games out there to the designer himself, to John Harper, and we we our our two games of lasers and feelings. Uh, were sent out into the world. And um, so we have Truth and Daring and Wits and Chivalry uh, that are on our website. And um, that's one place. And then uh, also we've been on quite a few podcasts yeah. doing actual plays and mm. a couple couple discussions and interviews. Um, so Roll to Play podcasts with uh, Kent Blue and uh, Victory Condition Games with uh, Doug Shoot. And uh, that's where you know... <laughs> Us. And you didn't mention our website, but it's diceupgames.com. That's why you're the, nice. uh, the managing director. <laughs> Got to get that plug in early. Nice. Diceupgames.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. Gets... There's, there's a whole space for it at the end of the episode, but I like that you got it in first. Just now everybody can just turn off the episode. We're done. That's it. It, it happens in our local, our, our, our regular game group because they wanted to start recording and doing a podcast as well. So, uh, mm-hmm. Wait, wait, don't roll me. Is oh my a, god! Is a podcast that it, it's a it's a air quotes podcast uh-huh. uh, that our 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 table puts out. But uh, and I, I GM most of those games. Um, but the <laughs> every single time I'm having to rem- be reminded by everyone at the table to say who we are and what we what we do. <laughs> yeah, so sorry, we're used to doing it at the beginning. <laughs> That's okay. Is there a quiz component to wait, wait, don't roll me? <laughs> There should be now. There, well, yeah, there, there definitely should be. I think we put so much on the producer of the show and his, with his editing and everything that that would just be one more thing. Yeah, just it's fine. Just do it. <laughs> but yeah, the Wait, Wait, Don't Roll Me is the podcast you really shouldn't be listening to. It's <laughs> <laughs> really good. So the two of you have been uh, like we we talked about the lasers and feelings games that you made. Like they're they're hacks of lasers and feelings, but um. What got you started in messing with games and did, did you do it together or did somebody kind of get started first? Oh, Tim got started first. Okay. I didn't, um, I was a video gamer growing mm. up, um, but I never did role playing. I grew up during the um, satanic panic <laughs> Oh, yeah. and my, unfortunately my, uh, my family 
kind of bought into that a little bit. So mm-hmm. I I did not grow up playing role playing games or you know D and D. So it wasn't until I met Tim that I started playing uh, role playing games. So he got me into tabletop games and I got him into video games. But that was about 13 years ago. So I've been playing for for a while now. But as far as like the design or hacking aspect of it, uh, Tim started with that first. What what got you started, Tim? Yeah, I, so it's definitely like more of a compulsion type thing. <laughs> uh, where, mm-hmm. where um, I mean, it's it, it just very briefly it start it started for me way young. My my cousins, uh, I got me into the West End games, Star Wars, the D6 version, and. Uh, it just changed everything because, you know, storytelling games, it's very difficult to explain to somebody, but then once you experience it, it's just like, oh, come on, why, why haven't I done this forever? Yeah. Um, I did it really young, and but I only got together with my cousins during the summers, and so when I went back home, there was no one to play with, and the person who wanted to play said something about Dungeons & Dragons, but the book was really big, and so I just said, <laughs> well, I remember how the D6 game worked. So I'll just mm-hmm. write that. And so, you know, when I was like, I don't know, I was 10 <laughs> or 11 or something, I just, I, I, I knew Tolkien and I knew one session of the D6 system from West End Games. Mm-hmm. And that's all I needed to, to get the group playing with some elves and dwarves. Oh um, but uh, from there, it just be, it was a compulsion. So like every, I would play games a little bit and then it was fine. But if I went too long without playing a game, I would need to write something. And so, I stopped gaming for a very long time, like through end of high school all the way through till I met Kristen and she knew that I, this was like the thing that I needed to start doing because about every year or six months mm-hmm. I would have to, I couldn't focus on anything else. I just had to mm-hmm. write down an entire system and then I would scrap it, I'd throw it away or <laughs> I'd delete it or oh wherever it would go. And uh, just to get it out of my system because I didn't have anyone to play with and didn't, yeah. So that, that's, that's where it started oh, wow. for me. <laughs> Many, wow. many years ago. I, I love that. I love that between the two options of read this book or write a whole system, you're like, yeah, I guess I'll just write a system. <laughs> That's amazing. I've never been a very strong reader. <laughs> Fair. I mean, it, it's a very long book. I, I borrowed it from a friend of mine in high school and he let me borrow it uh, for one evening. And I looked over and I went, hmm, just go look at the pictures. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. And I think it might have been different had I been born in a different time because if it would have been 3.5 i might have approached it if it would have been fifth edition i definitely would have approached it oh yeah but i would we're talking we're talking advanced dungeons and dragons (laughs) (laughs) cracking that sucker over and seeing thaco oh no (laughs) you you backpedal pretty quick (laughs) Mm -hmm. so what was the first thing that you two made together i don't know if we did dice up rpg first or if we did the hack of if we did uh, truth and daring first. Oh no, we definitely did the so roll to the the dice up games. So so we we originally were going to have our friends over to to role play, and we we were playing a fourth edition D anD D. One of my friends, my friend Dave, was uh, who's the producer of Wait Wait Don't Roll Me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he he wanted to run fourth edition. We all ran. We all played it. It was a lot of fun, but. You know, it, it, it was a little bit time consuming for a table of eight people to everyone have a turn all the time. And and uh, so I thought, hey, how fun would it be to play Star Wars with this group? We all love Star Wars. And so mm-hmm. I just quickly wrote a game like <laughs> to, to, you know, and, and just just to, enough to where we could play it. Mm-hmm. And it was going to be a one shot and it was going to be just just to, you know, get something different before the next D&D game. But then we played it, I think, on a Friday 
and then we played it again on a sat the next Saturday, and then we played it again like the following week, and the and then two years, two and a half years later, we're still playing the same <laughs> campaign. <laughs> the system has changed; it's evolved; it's mm-hmm. it's it's gone through iterations, and the group is amazing, amazing for playtesting it. But that was the first game Kristen and I wrote together. In you know, I I kind of just did the the quick. this is what I do. I the quick and dirty, like get, get something together, get something on paper. Let's start playing it. And Mm -hmm. then Kristen kind of just (laughs) puts order to it, (laughs) gives it, gives it some polish and makes sure that I'm not going insane in certain areas Mm -hmm. and, uh, or too far in certain areas and reels it in. And she's also, you know, how do I put it? I might obsess a little bit, but she'll, she'll remind me that it just needs to get to the table. (laughs) <laughs> and that it's just a game <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. Uh, so the first game we made, a well, long story, first game we made was, was this system that is actually the core of the game that we're going to be kickstarting uh, at the, you know, in a couple months. Uh, mm-hmm. Or, oh, sorry, I guess we don't know when this will drop exactly. So that might yeah. need to be added. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometime in the nebulous future. Yes, yes. Yeah. I'd love to say the the September area. So right. Um, mm-hmm. But that's the core the core system, and then it's been slightly modified uh, for mm-hmm. uh, to fit the theme uh, that that we are working with with our publisher. But that was the first one, and then we also did one right after that. That was a party game that we did together. Um, that was an, a hack of apples to apples, cards against humanity type yeah. games. Um, mm. which we almost kick-started, but back, backpedaled a little bit on that because we were heading into a dangerous uh, time of the year and had some mm. technical difficulties with some videos and stuff. So yeah, um, we thought shelve it for a little while or possibly mm-hmm. shop it around. It's actually at the moment being kind of looked at by a publisher. Oh, cool. So might have that uh, later on. Okay. Is, is that something we can talk about a little bit, that game? Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Because yes. um, I know people have very, very strong opinions about Cards Against Humanity, usually, one one way or the other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, uh-huh. I mean, I guess it's kind... I don't know if I would say it's like Cards Against Humanity. When we first started using that comparison, it was bec- only because it was a party game. Mm. But what it is, is it's a storytelling game that is Viking-themed. Mm-hmm. But we wrote the mechanics so that you could use any setting. So we even started writing like a pirate theme and like a um, movie pitch theme. And basically one person every round is the God and the players um, submit cards similar to a game like Cards Against Humanity. And the God decides which story they want to hear based on the Mm. cards and then that person tells the story and we know not everyone's comfortable doing that so we gave some tips about you know how to do a short story how to pull someone else into your story it's supposed to be just light and fun and getting people together to tell stories Mm -hmm. um it's not supposed to be you know only for comedians or improv people um so it's not like cards against humanity in that uh it's not Well, the, the cards, the cards themselves are very benign. Thank they're, you. They're they're <laughs> things that are like prompts, basically. So you could get a card that says "kicked," and that's the action card you're choosing to play. And the 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 challenge card is the thing that you overcame or or overcame you in your story. And so mm-hmm. when you draw that card, it could be like you kicked a hornet's nest, mm-hmm. or it could mm-hmm. be a little bit 
darker and you kicked a small child. It, it, you know, it's, it depends on which card you play, but it also, because every person who is the God uh, on their turn, wanting to hear these stories or choose these stories, that person gets to role play a little bit. So if your turn, if you're playing cards for Thor, <laughs> you might, he might want to hear the tale of the kid getting kicked. If you're telling it, if you're playing it for Freya, maybe she wants to hear something else. So you're, you're sort of like, Everybody gets a role, and you're not just resting on the laurels of a funny mm. or shocking, or in some cases, just horrible card for shock mm-hmm. value. <laughs> um, yeah. you're, you're, you're not doing that. It's more like apples to apples, where the cards are a little bit more benign, but then in this sense, you get to put your own story. So no two cards will ever be played the same way, because no two people will ever tell the story the same way. Oh, I like that. And uh, yeah, it worked. It worked really, really well, and we played it a lot. And the the coolest thing about it is that the people in our in our group, even our friends, who are the the biggest introverts, mm-hmm. stood and told these elaborate stories with accents and gestures. And <laughs> these people, even in role playing games, are quiet. But but this game, <laughs> it like brought something out in them, and yeah. they just they wanted to tell their tale. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. It would be interesting to use that as like a warm up exercise before you start a role playing game. That that's, that's a, a very really good, good idea. idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of the one of the hacks we did of our own hack <laughs> of our own game was a a uh, sort of a fantasy Tolkien esque Dungeons and Dragons theme, and I thought mm-hmm. I thought of it as sort of when when normally the the problem is you don't have enough people that show up for a game. But mm-hmm. sometimes too many people show up for a game. And in that case, instead of going through and everyone having one turn and then going home after four hours, why not just tell stories as as the characters? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's really good. But yeah, that was, that was the second game that we made. Yeah. Cool. Well, let, let's talk about the first one a little more since it's the basis for your, your upcoming system. Like, what kind of game is it? What, uh, what can you tell us about it? So similar to the uh, party card game we just talked about, where you can you can take the, the mechanics, the bare bones, and you can place it in any setting, we really wanted to be able to do that with role, a role-playing game. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could include magic. It could include uh, more real-life, like, swords. You could put guns in it. Whatever setting a table wanted to play, we wanted them to be able to look at these mechanics and make it work for their story. So that was the mm-hmm. original idea behind it. Um, and then we just went through a few years of playtesting it. Uh, I think we actually did probably a whole year of playing before we even did serious magic. Cause I think that was a little bit yeah, intimidating. Yeah. yeah. How are we going to add magic into this whole system? It also is, it's hard because we were, we were playtesting with a group of people who would get invested in a game. So, which is a really good problem to have. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. What would happen is I would think, Hey, I want to see what this would look like in a cold war setting. And let's, let's do some espionage. And so mm-hmm. let's do a one shot, take a break from the campaign and we'll do a one shot. And then everyone wants to keep playing that game. So <laughs> it, it it's a good problem to have, but it also meant that we postponed some things. So like magic didn't come in because we had done a bunch of other stuff and, right. yeah. and we did include magic gradually as, as we played star Wars because there were force powers and things. Mm-hmm. And, but uh, there, there are so many other systems out there, wonderful systems that, that allow you 
to do similar things, any setting. So you have systems like a little bit crunchier, like GURPS, where they have source books for everything. And then you have mm-hmm. the lighter uh, fates and apocalypse world hacks. And uh, what's what's the other one that I was thinking of? I can't think of it now. But but the, the there are so many games out there that are like that, that are very open. I think you, you've you've had, even had people on your show that uh, I, I learned about their game through the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. There are tons of uh, of these uh, system agnostic games. One of the things that we really wanted to do, aside from it being system agnostic, and, and because originally it wasn't meant to be something we'd ever share outside of our group, mm-hmm. um, we wanted it to be something where, because this is true for us, uh, when you're playing a game, so when we're playing Star Wars, you, you play it, you play it, but there's something else that happens. So if a movie comes out that everyone's really into, like, what was his name? Uh, Ryan Reynolds with the sticks. Deadpool. Deadpool. (laughs) So when Deadpool came out, it became popular. Mm -hmm. So people might want to play that. So why not have a system that allows you to use the same system you've been playing, but within minutes, whip up a a Deadpool game so that you guys can do a one shot of, of, uh, of that because it interests you. Um, and so it needed to not only be system agnostic and light and easy to, to hack and modify, but it also needed to be something that you could fit to those types of interests. Mm. Like our second game that we played after Star Wars, I, I wanted to see how it would look to do a historical fiction game because everyone in our group was really into the show Vikings on the History Channel. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, let's do a one-shot. We'll, we'll pause, pause the big campaign. We'll do a one-shot. And everyone likes Vikings, so let's do that. We had like nine nine people at the table. Oh wow! And we ran we ran a Viking game. I hacked it. We hacked it very very like quickly, mm-hmm. and it was probably one of the probably one of the coolest games I've ever played. And I was yeah, I was running it, but like just the feeling at the table was very, very like everyone was like on theme. And it's because everyone shared that interest, but also because I think this, they knew the systems also. They, yeah. it was, we didn't have to open up a new book, learn a new set of rules to play yeah. that, that thing. So people were very comfortable. And then we played that game on a Friday night, uh, the, the Saturday night after that. And then everyone wanted to come back on a Tuesday night for some reason mm. and play it again. Mm. So the one shot turned into three days within 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 a week. That's that's only a big deal to us because we have kids. That's, yeah. not, that's not a big deal yeah. to anybody else. I know there's people, yeah, for, people listening who yeah. don't have kids are like are like, yeah, that's my normal. What are we talking about? <laughs> I, do that, I do that every week. We don't. <laughs> yeah, Tuesday. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Who has time for that? Who has time for that? <laughs> yeah, that's that's really incredible. And I feel like one of the the difficulties that comes up when I talk to folks about um, making these agnostic games is uh, the names of things, you know, when you have skills or you have uh, attributes or you have abilities, you know, it's it's keeping them general enough that people feel like they can do anything or that they can apply to any situation or, or any genre, um, but keeping them specific enough that they actually mean something, you know, is is that something that you guys can relate to? Like, how, how do you handle that? Oh, I can relate completely. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's all about thesauruses at that point, right? <laughs> Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the the uh the, the the main the main thing that like uh I learned from this is is when I started I wanted to, okay what what about a different skill set for everything that you play so why you know you the first thing you're going to do when you're going to hack this game so we, we wrote the game and then we wrote how to hack it 
mostly for ourselves because mm. we did it wrong the first two times. <laughs> um, and and so I, my first thought was, well, just strip out the skills and put in the ones you want. Well, that doesn't necessarily work. And so what what what, it, what ended up happening is if you if you don't look at skills like skills like a specific a specific proficiency in a very very like specific word and you look at it more like a um an approach Mm. then stealth the word stealth which is in so many games it's being quiet it's moving quietly it's hiding it's sneaking it's all these things but what does it mean to you as a player who has the character so you you view stealth through your character's eyes and stealth just means my approach to overcoming this obstacle is that i'm going to to be stealthy and it fits this best. So the, when we started looking at it more as approaches and less like skills, then uh, it became easy to pick the very, the most generic type things that you would need to just give the player enough to go on. And then all you're really hacking is giving a couple examples of how it would apply to your, to your setting that you're playing. Okay. So that, that's kind of how we did that. But the game, the game itself, and I, you know, not to, not to, Go get into too much of the the nitty gritty mechanics of it. Um, it's very very light. Um, what, sorry, what did you say? I said no, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it. It's a very it's a very light system in that, uh, and a lot of people view light versus crunchy very differently. Um, mm-hmm. I, I tend to categorize games in sort of a um, how long does it take to to get it to the table? Like how much how much time do you have to put into learning it and teaching it to the players? Um, and then how much maintenance during a game of going back and, and kind of figuring out things. So like, mm. I, I don't, I think a, like a, a game like Dungeons and Dragons, you might be able to get up pretty quickly to the table, but the GM's got to put some, fo- you know, some work into it and the players are going to inevitably ask questions that involve opening a book. Yeah. So that would be a little bit more crunchy in my view, just for those two reasons. Ours definitely falls into the the more fate or uh, apocalypse powered by the apocalypse game world where, there's really just kind of two two aspects to your character in the game, and a character is uh, you have your story elements and you have your stats. So mm-hmm. your story elements are just basically sentences or words or something uh, based on the system you're playing. And so for for some of the games, it's like you know I'm gifted in blank, and uh, some some say that I tend to be blank. And so they're like leading, leading statements and they're very easy to hack. So if your setting is, you know, the cold war, it's, you could say something like, you know, what would make you defect or something like that? You know, Mm -hmm. it's very, very simple leading questions. And all the story elements do is get a a player to connect to their character, but they also have a mechanical, uh, uh, um, like a mechanical element that, that plays into it where when you perform an action, if you think that one of your story elements would help you with that action, then it the it's a cue to the the game master to lower the challenge level. Mm, so okay. so uh, and then I'll do that. I'll mention that just in a second. But the 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 stat aspects are just like skills and attributes of other games. They're they're pretty tight. There's not that many of them, but it's it's um it's to give you an idea of what your characters. Uh, natural aptitude is in broad areas and then what your proficiency is in specific areas, but the areas are really defined by the player. So two people look at something like athletics very differently. 
one person might view athletics as I'm a bodybuilder and the other person might view athletics as I'm a gymnast. Mm-hmm. But they would use it when it's appropriate for them. So there's no there's no time where it's like a, a GM is never in if they follow the rules. <laughs> the GM is okay. probably never going to tell you what to roll. They're going to tell you what obstacle is in front of you or what challenge you're facing. And then mm-hmm. you as the character or the, the player will will say, I'm going to overcome this with blank. And I think mm-hmm. that this story element would, would help me with that. And it gives the GM the cue of sort of where to put the challenge level. And the challenge levels aren't set in this game. It's very fluid. Um, it's one of the mm-hmm. things that I've really liked as a GM is that I don't need to roll dice in the game. Yeah. <laughs> it, it allows me to, on the fly, based on what the players want and what they're doing, and how they even describe their approach before they even roll dice, that the words that they say and how they do things, they might be making a situation more difficult for themselves. And they may want that. And so the GM is putting a pencil basically on this spectrum of challenge. And it, the pencil's going up and down based on what the player is saying. And it'll go down if they're using their story elements and uh, up if they're making it harder on themselves <laughs> by adding more challenge. Mm-hmm. Because this, the narrative is very, very shared by players and, and the game master. Oh, cool. I like that a lot. And I know I know a lot of players who love to make it more difficult for themselves. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I mean, why, why, it's not fun passing all the time. I mean, <laughs> failure, yeah. failure is fantastic in these games. <laughs> Since our, our most memorable moments are, are based on failures. Mm-hmm. And then the, the only other thing I would say about it, do you want to mention anything about the, like the game changer type thing? Oh, yeah. We added these... Um... Uh, game changer. So at the beginning, everyone rolls, I guess it doesn't matter what you roll, six side dice, d20. Um, and then the GM rolls last, and then you have game changers. So it's kind of like, well, for like our Star Wars game, we call them light side, dark side points, basically. And mm-hmm. the GM, if they roll odd, then whoever rolled odd, you know, the GM gets that many dark side points. And then the rest of the table, um, they roll evens, they get the, that many light side points. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. That right? okay. yeah. That's cool. We went, yeah, we yeah. went with the term game changer because it's universal. It, it, it's, a, it's a token that mm-hmm. changes the game, exactly. um, but that's how you determine at the beginning. So the very beginning, the tone, the, the everyone is ready to play. It, it kind of primes everybody that the game is starting because we're rolling mm-hmm. for game changers. Yeah. And if the GM gets all the game changers that everybody goes, oh no. <laughs> and if the players get a bunch of game changers, they get really excited. Mm-hmm. Um, and because you don't need per- anyone else's permission to use a game changer, um, we hoard them at our table. Right? <laughs> <laughs> everyone, everyone looks at each other like, like you're not going to use that, are you? But what they do <laughs> is they, they literally change the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gives the players that their game changers, it gives them the ability to add any narrative element they want. As long as it doesn't explicitly... Uh, go against what's already been stated by another player or the the game master. Because in in role-playing, nothing is real until somebody says it, right? Um, So, you know, there isn't a dragon until the GM says there is one. And (laughs) Mm. a player didn't do something unless they said they did it. So in this case, it's the the game changers are sort of a way for a player to say um, that something, something exists. So if a group of, if the players are bank robbers robbing a bank, and uh, something happened and went wrong and their getaway car is missing, well, one of them might use a game changer and just hand it to the GM and say, a car pulls up to the front and the gentleman gets out in a hurry and hands me the keys and tells me to park it in the lot. (laughs) And the GM says, well, you gave me a game changer, so I guess that does happen. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so that's the the sort of even bigger narrative control that the players will have 
uh, in the game. And uh, the GM gets them too, which normally a GM can do whatever they want in a game. But in this case, it's sort of like a license to uh, increase or add challenges. So if mm -hmm. the GM sort of says, I think I'm going to put this enemy army in your, in your way, and the group decimates it in five rolls, and everybody's like, oh, that was easy. And the GM says, but there's another army. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if a GM does that too many times, the players mm -hmm. eventually look at them like, come on, man. Yeah. Come on, Kristen, you can't do that to them. <laughs> <laughs> but if the GM has a limited resource and how, it, how they can do that, then it, it, uh, yeah. it gives them license to mm -hmm. mess with them. Oh, good. <laughs> we need more of that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so this is, what version, I guess, of this is the Kickstarter? Is it the, the just the system, like the genre agnostic game system, or are you kickstarting something specific using this system? Uh, so should we like get into what the game is or, or, yeah. or just specifically the system? Uh, what, what is it that you're going to be kickstarting? Kick oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, about, I want to say a year ago, about a year ago, um, we reached out because, and I, I want to say this because it's, it's, pro it's important to me that I say this on your show, um, when, when, and this is taking a slight step back, so I apologize for my, you can, you can edit all this out because I'm, I'm, I'm babbling, but <laughs> I wanted to make sure I said this. When we first heard about Modifier, your show, uh, we had been listening to the One Shot Network. Uh, we heard that there was a show coming out, and obviously, mm -hmm. if it's called Modifier and it's about hacking games, I got really, really interested. And so we we've been subscribed since day one, and oh. and you know we've we've been introduced to new games through it, and we also got the kind of confidence to release our hacks because you kind of helped us out with it. And so we we were at a place where we were getting more confidence from that. So we were we were hearing other people with their struggles and and stuff with with hacking games. We were thinking maybe a little bit of like imposter syndrome, like we don't we shouldn't be talking to people or we shouldn't be on podcasts or <laughs> we shouldn't be putting our games out there. And so we were in the we were in this headspace that we were kind of getting more confidence, like maybe we do have like something that someone might want to play and things like that. So uh, all that to say that at a certain point we reached out to a game publisher who published a series of Viking-themed board games that are very, very popular and do very well uh, on, when he, when he kickstarts them. And the, the, the series is called uh, the North Sea. It's, a, it's the North Sea series. So it's uh, Shipwrights of the North Sea, uh, Raiders of the North Sea, Explorers of the North Sea, and there's expansions yeah. in between. And they do, you know, he's done an amazing job with the artwork and game design. And we were fans. And so we, we, we reached out because well, I think for two reasons. One, we'd been playing our Viking role-playing game for about a year and uh, everything was going really well. And I thought, you know, people enjoy this and, and I, I haven't seen it. I mean, I've seen it a, a, a kind of a, a hack of one game, but no like explicit, this is a Viking themed RPG. Yeah. And so I, I sent just very randomly sent uh, Shem Phillips of Garfield Games an email and saying, you know, not even mentioning us as a possible candidate, but just saying, have you ever thought, we love, we love your series. Have you ever thought about, you know, you have these three really big board games. Have you ever thought mm -hmm. about a role-playing game version of it? And I got a response very, very quickly that said, uh, pitch me something. <laughs> 
Oh my God. Like, what do you got? <laughs> I was like, I, well, I'm scared out of my mind. Uh, <laughs> that's not what I meant. But wait, but wait, I do have something. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I sent him something and he was on his way to, oh, I can't remember the name of the, the, the convention. It's the big, it's the big uh, one in Germany, the something spiel, the, oh, I can't remember it now. I'm and, sorry, I can't anyway, remember that one. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember which one it was, but he, yeah. he was up for an award for game of the year. And, uh, and so I, uh, he was flying there and when he was in the airport, he had just received the the packet, like a document I sent him of just the basic rules, kind of some ideas, some thoughts, but but it was like a, a pretty big, pretty big document. And by the time he landed, he had he said he had read through it and he liked it. He wanted to talk and move forward. And he really he, let's do this. And oh so God. for us, we were just like, oh, my, this is I came home, you know, after reading it, I was like, this is something. And so the very next game that we played at our table of Vikings was a little bit more serious. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the game that we're doing with Garfield Games is called the North Sea Epilogues. And uh, the reason that it's called that is uh, this is sort of the bookend to a trilogy of games. So uh, Garfield Games is now making uh, other games. Obviously, they have other things going on. But mm-hmm. um, our Architects of the Western Kingdom just funded on Kickstarter. Um, they have other things in, in the, the hopper, but I don't think they're coming back. And from what Shem's told me, they, they might not come back necessarily for a big board game for North Sea. Sure. And so this would be called the epilogues because it's sort of the the end of the chapter, but beginning of your own saga. So mm. you've played the board games, you've been a shipwright, you've been a raider, you've explored the North Sea. Now you can forge your own saga and, and role play. Take it to the next the next oh level. That's amazing. I thought so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, we're excited. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're, we're very, we've been very excited and we've been, you know, we've worked really hard to sort of get it yeah. to a point that uh, we think, you know, cause it works for our table. Doesn't mean it doesn't follow that it works for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I think in the two years that we've been running this system and refining it and uh, also in, just growing our knowledge of other games by listening to actual plays, reading a, uh, reading a lot of other people's books and, and types of games that they <laughs> that they put out, and listening to things like Modifier and and the one shot you know one shot RPG one shot podcast that goes through all these different RPGs, um, you know it, it makes you a better it makes you a better game designer and and you know Kristen and I sort of soak that stuff up. And, um, we've met some amazing people through this process too, so it's like. Yeah. I mean, we've been on, I've been, I mean, we've been able to, to be on actual play podcasts that we used to listen to, mm. including this one. <laughs> we've had, yeah. like, uh, recently I, I was on the Roll to Play podcast uh, with Kent Blue and Epidiah Ravishal ran me through Swords Without Master, which is a yeah. game, it's a game that I've wanted to play so bad for so long. Uh, but kept kind of saving myself, and I didn't realize that I was saving myself for the creator of Master. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're gonna play, have have Epidia run it for yeah, you. Like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Go big or go home. Yeah, part part <laughs> one of it just just came out uh, this week on Roll to Play. I I like I was so worried. I was like, oh no, it's one of those games mm-hmm. that it's really good in your head, and you're in this amazing. Th- but how's that going to translate? And I was listening to it. And I'm like, this is pretty good. He did, he did <laughs> nice. a good job with this game. He did. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, that's... and Banana Chan, Banana Chan mm. ran us, uh, ran 
through her dad's on mowers game on kids on bikes. So like these are people, <laughs> people that we meet through this process have sort of, uh, um, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have thought that that would have happened. It's, it's wild. You, you start poking around in this community and things just sort of happen. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's incredible. Man, well, congratulations. I had no idea that's what the Kickstarter was for. That's very cool. Uh, yeah. Um. yeah, yeah, we're, we're excited. And it, we haven't been able to do a whole lot of marketing for it. Uh, mm -hmm. it uh, Garfield, well, because it's a publisher, you know, it's mm -hmm. sort of there, it's the, at their pace. Right. And, and, you know, so it's, we're, and this is our first, it, I think this is really good for us because it's our first game that we're putting yeah. out there that's not a hack necessarily. And, but we're not doing it alone. And I think that like a lot of the struggles and things that people have that I, I, we've learned so much from just from listening to their stories. Um, yeah. We're not going in this alone. And the person who's, you know, the publishing company that's, that's putting this on, they, they've been through many extremely successful Kickstarters, which gives us so much confidence that, I mean, a, if they, if they think it's going to fun, you know, it, you know, it's not just us having to hope something funds it's somebody else who's who's invested as well um, but also they know the ropes yeah yeah yeah. that's super important so i also want to talk a little bit since this game that the viking game and the system that it's based on uh the card game we were talking about uh even even the lasers and feelings hacks in their own way uh, your games are very storytelling focused very much about a shared narrative mm -hmm. and I'm I'm curious uh, why that is. Like, what what attracts you to that? Um, I think it's a it's a couple things. So, for I mean, for me personally, we a few years ago we were playing uh, a D and D campaign on on Rule Twenty, and it was a lot of fun. It was a good group, um, but again, having kids and working full time, like many people out there, were were really busy. So when we were doing our once a week role to play at, and or not role to play, uh, role <laughs> twenty. Yeah, so we used to say role play. Uh, the role twenty campaign. Um, you know, I, I was like a level ten rogue, and I was really excited to play all week. I think about what I wanted to do with her, and um, I had magical items and all that really exciting stuff. And then we would get on, and, and you know, four hours later, I'd only be able to go like a couple of times. And I'm not knocking D and D, right? I love it. It's a it's a classic system. Um, but I kind of wanted to be able to talk about my character more and, and hear about the other players' characters. You know, what is your character thinking and where did they come from? And why do they want to fight a giant? Not just, you know, let's fight it, but like, why? I, I just wanted to know more. And then also, I think for me, having kids, uh, I didn't grow up playing a lot of games. And so I really want to make sure that they grow up playing games and reading books and telling stories. And so this was kind mm -hmm. of an extension of that. You know, we want to play games with our kids as they grow up. So I think we have to play games ourselves <laughs> so yeah. we can play with them. Um, so I think that's what drew me to it. It's just this, I guess, natural desire or curiosity when I was playing those types of characters that didn't have as much of a voice. I wanted to give my characters more of a voice. That's cool. Does your does your older kid play games yet? Yeah, we're getting there. Um, he's gonna be five next month. Um, mm -hmm. And he we might, he might be five already if, if this drops after his birthday. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yeah. yeah, sorry about that. That's okay. Um, <laughs> yes, time and space have no meaning <laughs> <Okay>. here. 
Yes, he, he's playing some games. We do, we actually make up uh, a few games and um, have him roll dice and count dice. So he's learning, you know, to count. We, we did get, oh. we did get no thank you evil. He's mm-hmm. just slightly young for that. So I think we're going to wait a couple more months because it seems like a really great game. Yeah. Um, so we'll play that with him shortly, but right now we're doing kind of some made up games. We're, we're hacking anything we can, yes. depending on what it, what his, what draws his interest. <laughs> mm-hmm. We'll move, we'll move Legos around, a, around a little village we build. <laughs> and, uh, a lot of it right now is based on behavioral and social skills right. and, and politeness and things like that. So he really wants to fight the dragon, but he's not going to be able to do that until he helps three villagers with their problems. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so think, think it's really things good. like that. But he's really, he really likes dice. He's he really into it. Yeah. He counts them fast. And so we're, uh, we're, oh, we're nice. on the cusp of, of, <laughs> of the no thank you evils. And yeah. I don't know, maybe, maybe a dice up light. A dice up light. <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah, we're excited. Let's go. He's, he's really showing an interest so far. So we're thrilled. Oh, cool. So when when's the Dice Up Light kid version? I actually, yeah, right. I actually really want to, we've kicked around the idea for quite a while of designing um, a game for kids. And I think we might do it one day. Um, our son is, he's got some big emotions. And mm-hmm. I've seen in just the short amount of time we've played these quick games with him that deal with helping people, um, how much that helps give him a voice for his own emotions. Mm-hmm. I just feel like there's something there. So I, I definitely want to explore that. Yeah. Sometime. <laughs> get, get him in on the, uh, the design process there. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, kind of in, in the vein of, of designing things together. So you've been, you've been playing games together for, you said about 13 years and, and making games, you know, for a few years doing that sort of thing. What, what is that? done to your dynamic like you guys have been together and doing different things for a long time yeah. um, but what is like designing games done to that i'll go first and because oh. <laughs> I, I don't want to answer for you <laughs> i don't, I don't want to get anybody in oh, trouble no, no. <laughs> I, I i think it's been um and not to get too deep i think i think it's been kind of an anchor because mm-hmm. we we both work full-time obviously and we now have two kids and you know that's like most people, there's just a lot in life and having kids Mm -hmm. completely changes your relationship. And I think that we were lucky that we had built a strong foundation first and having kids, no matter what your foundation is, is going to shake that up. And so this is something that has, for me, it's been like an anchor to keep my sense of self. So I'm not just an employee or a mom or a wife. This is part of who I am, part of what I love to do. And because mm-hmm. Tim is also really passionate about it, it's something that we share. So at the end of the day, even if we only get 10 minutes in bed to talk about games, it, we're connecting on some level. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been really, really helpful. Very cool. Is it my turn? It's your turn. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I should have given you the signal. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree with every with all of that. I, I think that... Uh, it's definitely it definitely gives us something to do together, something that's creative. I, I have I have to have something creative, and uh, it's not something that my work provides. It's not something that uh, you know 
that's easy to come by. It takes time to do it and, and things like that. So we, we, we see the value in it. We, we get to do something together, but we also now, it also means we have to make time for it. And so we, we, we budget time. We, we, we have, we have a lot of things that we want to do as any game designer I've ever heard interview. <laughs> there's no shortage of ideas. There's no, there, uh-huh. The books are filled and, and there's no time where like my, if I have, if I'm stricken with insomnia, my, my friends and, and gamers in our local community know that we're playing a new game. <laughs> so, so Tim, Tim wrote a game and uh, it's, it's born of insomnia and we're, we're going to play mm-hmm. it next time we sit down together. So it's, it's like, it's definitely, uh, it's a part of what we're, what, of who we are. And I think what's really neat about it is that, and uh, Kristen has said this a couple times, like not, not on this podcast, but uh, a couple times that I, and it just rings true for me that like, our kids are going to be raised seeing that you can make things. You don't just have yeah. to consume entertainment. You can make it and you can not only make it and, and structure it with a game, but you experience it with other people. So you don't, you know what I mean? I, I don't think mm-hmm. that come out right yet. So I'm getting, I'm getting the signal mm-hmm. from Kristen that, that I'm not babbling. So <laughs> but, good. But, yep. But yes. Yeah, so, so I think, I think that that also every piece of it enforces it infor- is enforced by something in our life that's benefited from this, including the people that we're meeting through the process. Yeah, yeah, friends. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. Um, yeah I we... think part of why we started designing it was not thinking that, I mean, right, everyone in this community knows we're not quitting our day jobs. You know, this is just a passion. This is something we're doing, on, obviously, on the side. Um, mm-hmm. But our, our number one goal was to kind of get into the community and make real friendships, real connections. So that we could, you know, raise our kids in that as well and go to conventions and, and things like that. So that's been our, our first goal, I guess. Yeah. So it's uh, been really nice to see some of that realized, you know, those friendships start to happen. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I, I was very sad that we couldn't go to Gen Con this year because we know people that were going that would want to get together. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Next year. Next year. Yeah. 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 Oh man, it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it is it is a lot of convention. I have one other thing in my notes that maybe we can end on sure. uh some some advice kind of stuff. Tim, you mentioned when in in the emails when we were talking about creative tools when when you're designing and and making games because we are not all born with the knowledge of InDesign or oh, right. you know that sort of thing. Yeah. So, or, or, or have the budget for that, for all those tools. Um, do you want to talk about kind of some of the, the tools that you were able to use or, um, ways that you were able to like pick up some of those skills? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think when it comes to, when it comes to like how, how Kristen and I put together our games, most of it is done using things that we would, that we use in our day job. So, I mean, you're, we're using word processing or presentation, Mm you know, type things or even spreadsheets or, you know, checking math and stuff. So like so much of what we do in our day jobs transition transfers to, um, into like what we're putting out there. But, um, like you said, uh, the, some, some people might struggle with like the budget or, or the learning curve of certain applications. Mm-hmm. Uh, I pick up applications pretty quickly. Uh, Kristen is also <laughs> like, we're, we're very technically savvy, but for <laughs> us, the other problem is budgeting time no he's being kind mm-hmm. i'm not tech savvy <laughs> oh you're you're, you're tech savvy. <laughs> sorry go ahead budgeting yeah. time <laughs> the other thing is budgeting time and when you're using something like InDesign or 
um, if you're doing like I, I I taught myself how to do vector graphics using Inkscape um, mm. because of a couple of the other tools that are a little bit probably more you know they're probably not they have a lot more to offer they're not free for one thing <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but I didn't have time to actually go through the process that those programs require and same with InDesign in a lot of cases so if I want to throw something together and use it at the table. I've surprising, and I would encourage anybody to do this if you're not already doing it, but Google Docs, uh, not just specifically Google Docs, but Google Slides. Mm -hmm. Google Slides is is incredibly underutilized, I feel. (laughs) It's not just a presentation tool. If you size that thing eight and a half by 11, uh, you know, landscape or portrait, you you now have... uh, a open palette to put any type of shapes and pictures and yeah. everything into it. And it has alignment tools. It has all the fonts you could want because it's Google and uh, you have many, many slides so you can duplicate things really quickly. So if I want mm-hmm. to create uh, like a, like a parchment look or, and use these graphics that I'll purchase from somewhere and I want to create these character sheets that are real quick, uh, I can do it in, minutes <laughs> like literally minutes it, it's 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 very very strange how a free program like that can offer you that so um yeah i think i think when it comes to like tools it's, i would never say don't use the good stuff and and you know you're not going to get things like you know for print like for with bleed and and uh and print marks and things like that but that's not mm-hmm. that's not necessarily what most people hacking games would want you might want to do layout later and not spend all your time and money in InDesign for weeks and weeks and weeks and then months and months of playtesting and tweaking. <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> Save your iterations. Open Google Slides. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like pitching Google. <laughs> they don't need my help. They're they doing don't. fine. <laughs> um, that and uh, things like uh, using your phone. I think people people would underestimate how much they could do with applications on their phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can create all kinds of things and take screenshots and stuff and, and then very quickly edit it with free programs. Yeah. I think, I think those are, those are just, I would, I, I would encourage that on your show above anybody else's show, because people that are listening <laughs> to this want to modify and hack games. They're, they're not mm-hmm. necessarily looking at first for that end result, print quality, full bleed marks. Yeah. <laughs> it needs, it needs to be good enough for you to play. Right. So yeah. yeah, that's cool. It needs to be it needs yeah. to be good enough to play, but I think it also needs to be good enough just just good enough to make everybody go, huh, somebody put some effort into this. <laughs> <laughs> Surprisingly little, yeah. but some. <laughs> they care. Yeah. 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 It makes them care more as a player, you know. Mm-hmm. Very true. That's that's cool. And I was just introduced to uh the presentation Google presentation thing as a like a collaborative tool. Mm-hmm. We played Iron Etta and did drew our map on the first slide and like kept track of all of our things on on the slides after that. It's, it's very cool. Like I always underestimate those presentation programs like um, PowerPoint yeah. and the like, but they're so there's so much yeah. in there. I, I I was in uh, corporate training for 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 quite a few years, uh, and I learned how to use PowerPoint very very like in depth. And that transitioned mm-hmm. with me forever. So that's why I, I draw, I'm drawn to slide the Google Slides or presentation tools like that yeah. um, very much. We used uh, actually on when like, uh, the designer of Heavy Metal Thunder Mouse. Are you familiar with that game? I I was just reading something I think about it today. I wasn't until so I, I'm not I'm still not very familiar. Well, but I've I've seen yeah, the it's name. A fa- it's a fake <laughs> core 
uh, role-playing system. Very cool. It's about a, a biker gang of mice. And so obviously it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But uh, the designer ran it uh, on a podcast that I was on and they were at the last minute, they were like, well, do we use roll 20? What do we, what, we have to share these because mm-hmm. when you do fate, you're doing aspects. So you're writing down yeah. all these things. Um, and I, I was at the last minute, I was like, why, why don't we use Google slides? <laughs> I didn't want to like raise my hand too much. I'm like, oh, why don't we use that? And so within like minutes, I made it look like it was a, a table, like a wooden table with all these things that everybody <laughs> could put their aspects on. And it, it you know, with, with alignment and, and the same font and all that stuff. It was very, very cool. So it was very similar to what you're saying. It's like, like all of a sudden we awesome. thought we were playing yeah. on Roll20, but no, it was Google Slide. No, <laughs> don't need to. Yeah. Not that we don't always love Roll20. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you just need a slide. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> very cool. We'll have uh, hopefully solid information, probably a link to this Kickstarter in the show notes. That is the plan. And then where can we find you two and your games online? Uh, we can find, <laughs> you can find our games at uh, diceup.com. Diceupgames.com. Dice <laughs> <laughs> you think I'd know our mm-hmm. website right now? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't know our Twitter handle. Sorry. That's Everything true. is at Dice Up Games. So f- Facebook, Twitter, cool. our website, it's all at, at Dice Up Games. Cohesive branding. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, we're, we're, we're active on Twitter. We're not active at the moment as, well, as much as I'd like to be on Facebook, but that's because we're kind of in this like holding pattern of marketing right. the game. But I feel like we'll yeah. be there pretty soon. Agreed. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. That's where you can find us. Cool. And then uh, you can find our hacks of lasers and feelings on the website under tribute hacks, like like, oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. tribute bands, but for hacking, <laughs> we're like fan fan uh, boys and girls of John Harper. Very nice. I mean, who is true? <laughs> and uh, you'll see you'll see one shots logo on our website because we credit one shot the one shot network, including you, <laughs> uh, in, in that in that group because. Anytime we'll do a lasers and feelings hack, we only heard about lasers and feelings through the one shot podcast. And so yeah. we thought we mm. have to give credits every single time we'll, we'll be putting it. Every time we write one, it'll be in the credits. <laughs> oh, that's really sweet. <laughs> I think James will like that. Very cool. Yeah. Is there, I should have asked before, is there anything else that we should know about, about your games? I think that's probably it about the games that are coming out. Yeah. Um, uh, I have one one thing I guess I could say real quickly to, to anybody listening that is in it just starting out like doing hacking games and wanting to do this sort of thing. Right before the Modifier podcast started, <laughs> uh, I told Kristen that it would be really cool if one day we were on Modifier talking about games that we were making and... <laughs> Only, only hey. a couple, only a couple, and that's a true story. Only a couple years later, like we're doing it, <laughs> and, and uh, it's this is yeah. a very accessible uh, uh, community, community mm-hmm. and not to hold back. I mean, agreed. Yeah, I think yeah. people are willing not only to hear you and to talk to you, but also to play games with you and play games that you make. And it's really cool to see your stuff out there on other people's podcasts or Twitch streams. Mm-hmm. And all all you did was put yourself out there. So. Yeah. Everybody should try that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I'm nodding furiously. <laughs> Make your games. Do it. I want to hear all about them. You have no idea. There's so much space. There's so this. much there space is. for it. There's room. Not, not, yeah. not every game has been made yet. Yeah, there really is room. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Oh, thank you both so much. Oh, this has been really thank great. You. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for again for being so flexible on time. Yes. <laughs> We're the only people Not on, a problem. on the West Coast that play games. I guess so. <laughs> mm-hmm. Categorically untrue. All right. Huge thanks again to Tim and Kristen for being on the show. Tim in particular has been in touch with me through Twitter over the years as they've worked on different things, so I am just as excited as they are to finally have this episode. I am like a proud mama bird, except all I really did was reply to his DMs with, Yes! Go! Put your games out there! So, if you too ever need to hear or read a bit of encouragement, my messages are open on Modifier and on Main. I am very good at telling people they should do stuff. Hey, you should do stuff! Literally you, the person who's been listening episode after episode and doubting yourself. I want to hear all about your games someday. That's all for this week, heroes. Follow Modifier on Twitter at Modifier Podcast, or send us questions, comments, and suggestions through email at modifierpodcast at gmail.com. Modifier is part of the One Shot Podcast Network, an incredible family of RPG podcasts, including shows like this one. The Broadswords is an all-women D&D podcast focused on drama, roleplay, and subverting stereotypes. Join the Broads as they unravel the mysteries of Snowy Reshaman, a land ruled by witches and steeped in superstition. Berserkers reign and spirits roam the frozen wastes. Yolaris, Kayla, and Maypri all have their own reasons for journeying north, but they soon find they have something in common. They are pawns of a divine plot. To find out more about this and other shows on the network, visit OneShotPodcast.com. Modifier's theme music was created by my favorite Bothan, Cat Greenfield, whose myriad talents are on display at CatGreenfield.com. Join me again in two weeks for another episode of Modifier. See you then.